And we are going to be rolling into the last little segment of Acts chapter 2 that's left in that chapter. Um, I'm going to do a quick recap on what happened previously because Acts chapter 2, the first verse uh, that we're going to be diving into today is verse 42, and it starts with and. So I wouldn't be giving the full, hey, this is what's going on here, if I didn't give you what happened before the and. So uh, let's start with back in verse 36. I'll start reading, we'll do some explaining, and we'll move on from there. So, verse 36, chapter 2, Acts. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brother, Brothers, what should we, shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And, so this is where we're picking up. So quick recap. All these people were involved in around, saw, heard of Jesus Christ being crucified. And it says here that they were the ones who crucified him. So, they were cut to the heart. They were obviously saddened, worried. They asked, what shall we do? So, he responds and says, well, repent, be baptized. The, the, Holy, the Holy, Holy Spirit will come upon you. Um... And there was added 3,000 souls. Praise God. So all these people came to know who Jesus Christ is. But then there's an and. So the title of my sermon today is, And Then What? What are we supposed to do? Jesus Christ reveals himself to us. We see who God is. We see his teachings. What are we supposed to do next after we're saved, baptized? What's next? Because that's the rest of our lives. What's next? So starting there, we'll start by reading verse 42 all the way down the rest of the chapter. And I want you to notice as we go through this, all of the ands. Because there's quite a few of them. And, and, and. Because it's just adding on one after the next. So here we go. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let us pray before we dive into this. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us here together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, coming into our lives and, and revealing who you are. Thank you for these uh, occurrences that happened back in Acts so that we can read them and understand them. Lord, I pray for understanding through them. Lord, I pray for each and every one in this gathering that, um, that you would speak to their hearts and minds, that you would uh, reveal yourself to them, that, that, you would, um, that you would just teach them, show them, and show them your grace, your mercy, your greatness in all that is done and said. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to fully get a grasp on what we are supposed to be doing here on this earth, what we're supposed to be striving for, who we're supposed to be living for, God. I pray that you would help us to focus solely and wholeheartedly on you today with our heart, our mind, and our spirit. We love you so much, God. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Alright, so today, as you went through those ands, some of you in your mind went, okay, this is a checklist. And you were like, alright, cool, I got ands, so I'm just going to make ands, and then I'm going to check those off as I go down. Some of you are chronological, and you were like, okay, so if it's going and, then that means if I do this first, then I'll do this second, and then I'll do this third. Also, not the main point here. Either way, this is not a checklist. This is not chronological. This is not something that you can just check off each day and that you can just hit one of these points and move on. Every single one of these main points that we go over are all interconnected, all intertwined. They all come together and they are linked. Because if one of these elements that we are going to be diving into is off, the others will suffer. If you are doing... If you are diving into them, they will all fall in line. And we'll get into that in a little bit. So the first and. The first and is, and then devote yourselves. Now I'm going to be using a little bit of language switch here because in these verses, it's talking about what they did in past tense. And it's the book of Acts. It was quite some time ago. So we're going to apply it to what we're living our lives today here in the church. So it says here in verse 42, and they devoted themselves. So the first main point is, and then devote yourselves. Devote yourselves. And then it lists several things there. But what is being devoted? Some synonyms for you. Synonyms are words that are very similar to what devote it means. Loyal, faithful, true, steadfast, constant, committed, 
and dedicated. What were they devoted to? The apostles' teachings and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So, first thing there, the fellowship and the teachings of the apostles. So, the fellowship, building community together and being of one accord, being together and living life together. They were fellowshipping together. They were building community together. And we saw later on that they were with each other day by day. Whether it was in the temple or whether they were having people in their homes. They were loving on one another. They were devoting themselves to one another. And you know, the outside world, as they look at this, when two strangers from different areas, when they move to this area, or if one gets miraculously saved from this area, and they come together, and they devote themselves together, and they help each other, and they live life together, the outside world sees that, and they are just, wow. Something's different there. They take notice to that. Because majority of the outside world they're looking out for number one. They're looking out for themselves. They're trying to get ahead in this life. They're trying to work extra jobs and have this extra power and money and, and things so that they can show how much better they are. Better, air quotes, for those that aren't, aren't looking up. So, when we fellowship together, we show God's goodness through what we're doing here on this earth. They participated in the Lord's Supper. They devoted themselves to that. They devoted themselves to prayers. i got to touch on this because I, it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine because it ha happens to me quite often. When we pray, how often are we interrupted? Not by... A uh, kid crying in the back, because that's really not that big of a deal. Not because of the temperature of the room or something that's going on around. How often are we interrupting our prayers when we're in corporate prayer time? Are we truly praying as one accord? I ask that because it happens to me often and I have to snap myself out of it. When, we're, when JD was up here praying for the orphans... How many of us were sitting here and we started thinking of what we need to do after service or how the things went earlier today or what time the football game is today? How often do we in our own minds interrupt our prayer with God? I ask because it's something that I have to constantly work on and I think that it happens quite regularly across our churches today. If you truly believe what you say you believe, this is rude and disrespectful behavior to our God. Or, if you use, I'll pray for you as a catchphrase. Prayers being devoted to prayers. If you use, I'll pray for you to end a conversation and then move on, and then not actually pray for that person... You're literally using, I'm not even using the word literally, right? But you, you're literally using the word or the phrase, I'll pray for you. You're using God's name in that. You're involving God in your deceit. 
Your deceitfulness. Ouch. Ouch. When you take a step back and you think about these things, the things we say and the thoughts we have and how we pray, how we devote ourselves to prayer, really starts to take on a whole new meaning. If you put devoting to prayer in the right context. So think back on the last week and think back on your devotion to the teachings and the fellowship and the apostles' teachings and the breaking of bread and the prayers that you've had this past week. And think back on it. What have you spent most of your time, your talents, and your treasures doing? Have we truly devoted ourselves to those things that the Bible says we should be devoting ourselves to? What are you devoting yourself to? Second main point, verse 43. And then, be in awe. Be in awe. Verse 43 says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. We have this word in our common culture today. That's awesome. Dude, awesome. So awesome. Man, thanks for opening that door. You're awesome. Really? You opened a door. Come on. I appreciate the sentiment, but awesome? If we think about the, the root word of that, to be in awe of something, like truly wowed, amazed, shocked, all those put together is to be in awe. When's the last time you thought about how awesome God is? He orchestrated prophecies from thousands of years ago through multiple different languages, people groups, through the Israelites. He showed us through different parallels, through different stories, through different happenings of different people throughout the Old Testament, to all point toward a single occurrence that happened with Jesus Christ showing up on this earth, fulfilling all of that prophecy, being born of a virgin, dying on a cross for our sins, not showing up and taking over as a king, or a sultan, or taking over as an area and then just making himself into a god of this world, but showing up and sacrificing himself on a cross so that we have that way to heaven, so that we know that God loves us and how much he loves us. And then to have him rise again, show himself to all these different people, have all of that recorded, and then for the next thousand years, preserve all of that word, all of those scriptures, so that we can have them today and read about all those things that happened. He orchestrated and put all of that together. That's awesome. God is awesome. Wow. When's the last time you sat back and just thought about how awesome God is. I was just on a camping trip this past weekend with my son, and 
we were sitting around with a bunch of other families and sitting around a campfire looking at all the trees and the birds and the animals and the bugs and we had a discussion about how awesome God is and how all these things are interconnected to create this world. We read through Genesis 1 and 2 and we're just like, yeah, so he created the earth. That's awesome. How many different plants, animals, how they all come together, the, the water on this earth, how it all feeds together and is intertwined so that they all live off of each other in this ecosystem. That's awesome. That is awesome. If you are not, or if this is not amazing to you, I have a question for you. Do you really believe what you say you believe? Are you in awe of God? Are you in awe of God? Then verse 45. And then be generous. And then be generous. Verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as, keep, keep part here, as they had need. You see, the early church did not practice mandatory communalism of property. Those who had property were free to retain it or to liquidate it to meet another's needs. The divine grace that they had received so unified their hearts that they gladly and freely shared with each other as those needs arose. Other key word there is needs. I think in our modern culture today, we really blur the lines between needs and wants. And my family and I, we have this discussion quite often. So now, really, I just need to look at them and say, well, are we thinking about our needs or are we thinking of our wants? And they immediately recall all the conversations. And we don't have to have lengthy conversations anymore, but needs and wants. What are our needs and what are our wants? Because oftentimes, there's many people that show themselves to others as they need these things and they need help with all this stuff, but really it's just wants. And sometimes those lines get real blurry, real blurry, because we all want to help each other out. We all love each other so much. Sometimes it's hard to love one another, but man, we do. We love each other. We want to help each other. But needs and wants. And as those needs arose, so it wasn't just, hey, you're a Christian, so you need to go sell everything, and you need to just go give it to whoever. It wasn't that at all. It was as those needs arose, the church came together, those people came together, and they said, hey, well, can we help so-and-so out? Well, if I sell this, I would gladly give it to him. Sure, absolutely. And then they help each other out. As needs arise. As needs arise. So are we a giving and sharing church with our possessions as needs arise? As needs arise. The other part there is sometimes some needs arise and our pride gets in the way. And we don't communicate those needs 
to our fellow man. Sometimes we're being prideful and we don't want to say, hey, I need some help. I would encourage you, if you actually have true, bona fide needs in your life, then communicate that to the church. Help us help you. Sometimes it's a matter of we just didn't know that was happening in your life. So communicate that. Are we a giving and sharing church? Then in verse 46, and then, and then, participate in corporate worship. Participate in corporate worship. Verse 46 says, and day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, and they receive with their food glad and generous hearts. Day by day, they attended the temple and spent time in their homes. Attendance, ladies and gentlemen, attendance. Am I preaching to the choir, so to speak, right now? Because we're all here attending. We are here at church. We're, we're part of corporate worship right now. But you can also be here without really being here. Attending and participating in corporate worship are two totally different things. You can be here right now, and as I was talking about earlier with prayer, but also through the sermon, you could be here right now but not be listening to a single word that's being said. You might not be paying attention to what the Holy Spirit may be trying to do in your heart. You may be thinking of something completely different. As a matter of fact, when you're writing your notes, you might actually be making a checklist of what you're supposed to be doing throughout this week or a shopping list. I don't know that. Only you know that. You might even be looking down and reading something completely separate on your phone instead of your Bible app. I don't know that. Only you know that. Attendance is key, but participating in corporate worship is what we really need in our church. The church is a body. The church is a body. 1 Corinthians 12 talks in great length, if you want to dive into that later. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the church being a body. And if you are a hand without an arm, that's really hard to do some work. It's really hard when a part of your body isn't working right. It's really hard to function as a church if a portion of your church is struggling or not present or not participating in what the body is trying to do. The church is a family and without it we're all just a bunch of orphans running around. 2 Thessalonians 3 talks a little bit about us being a family. If you want to dive into that later, you can. Are, are we participating in worship as a church family? Are we participating as a church family? Are we participating as a body? And then verse 46 also says, and then break bread together. And then break bread Together, So verse 46 once again says, And day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So they attended temple together, but they also broke bread in their homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They shared 
meals together in their homes. The best way to build community and to build those friendships, build those, those brother and sister relationships as a part of this family is to have each other in our homes. You can see how somebody lives. You can see you're letting somebody into your space, your living space. You're being open with your home, with your food, with your family, and you're allowing people in if you're allowing people in. And when you go to somebody's home, you're getting a glimpse of who they are. You're getting to see who they are. And when they open themselves up to you, and you sit around that table together, and you start diving into some conversation, those discussions tend to go a little bit deeper. It's a lot less surface. There's a reason that they were attending together in temple, and they were doing corporate worship day by day, but then they would go to their homes and then discuss over a meal. Because here at corporate worship, they would discuss the things of the Bible. They would hear preaching. They would do those things. I'm sure they had Q&A as well. Maybe not. It's not scriptural, so I'm not going to say that they had it, but they probably talked before and after service, okay? But they went into their homes. And when they sat down for a meal, they talked of these things of God. We should be doing the same. We should be having people in our homes and we should be going to others' homes. Because here in corporate worship, you can easily show up, say, hey, how was your week? Hi, how you doing? Have a seat, listen to the preached word, and then when you leave, say, hey, I appreciate it, thanks a lot, take your coffee and roll on out. But when you're sitting down at a table and you're eating food that was just given to you by somebody else in their home and then you start talking you start telling stories you start discussing things you start really diving into a little bit more about who you are and vice versa you really start to get to know each other and that is building community but you know what it doesn't happen unless you do it I know it's a really crazy thought, but you actually have to do it for it to happen. You actually have to have people over to your house, and you actually have to show up to other people's house to actually have that discussion around that table. There's no other way. You can't do it. If you're thinking, well, we'll FaceTime. No, it's not going to work. In person. Majority of language is done through body language. And when you're discussing with somebody and you can feel how they're saying something, you can really get to know somebody that way. You will, it was once said, I don't know who said it, you will be the same person this year that you were last year except the books you read and the people you meet. So I'm asking you this question under this realm of breaking bread together. Who are you meeting with and who are you reading after? And then, last main point, and then, praise God. Praise God. Verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, all the people. 
praising God, thanking God, adoring God, proclaiming the greatness and awesomeness of God. And I feel comfortable saying the awesomeness of God because we already talked about it. Be in awe. If you are praising God, all these things we've already discussed is really falls into place. It just naturally happens. If you are praising God, and since all these things are intertwined, in praising God, you start doing things that this has already discussed. You already start breaking bread and having people in your homes. If you are praising God for all of the abundance of the food you have, you praise God for how generous He is to you, you start being generous with others, and you start sharing that with others. It just happens. And when you're thanking God and you're adoring Him and you're thinking about how awesome He is, you know, it's really, really hard to have a bad day. Because sometimes you have those days where you look back and you're like, man, I'm just having a rough day. Were you praising God through it? If you were praising God throughout the day, you may have had all those circumstances that made you feel like you had a bad day, but if you were praising God for those circumstances, which I know is hard to do, really hard to do sometimes, but if you're praising God through it, it has a whole different feel. It has a whole different aura of it. I don't know if aura is the right word for it, but it has a whole different feel to it. The emotions that you apply to those circumstances are totally different. If you are praising God through those circumstances. Not because of you, but because of what God is doing in you. And how different it is to the people around you when those circumstances are happening. If you are praising God through the good, the bad, and the ugly, I'm telling you, the world sees that. And they are just in awe. And they start to see who God is through you. Hopefully you're totally hidden. Because we're all a big mess. But in that big mess, if we are praising God because we are loving God, we are adoring God, we're being generous, and we are praising His name even though the bad and the ugly are happening in our lives, the world takes notice. And the world can see those things and go, wait a minute, maybe there's something to this whole God thing. Who is God? And then they start asking questions. Hey, how are you staying so different through these instances in your life? How is that happening? And then you have an opportunity to share the gospel. It's a beautiful thing. And I said that was my last point, but I have to close all of this together with the last and then. And then, verse 47 rolls around, and the Lord saves. Verse 47, the last part of it says, And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. You see, you can be devoting yourself 
and you can be in awe of God. You can be being generous to everybody you see. You can be participating in corporate worship. You can be breaking bread and having people in your homes and back and forth. And you can be praising God all day long. But you cannot save anybody. Period. The Lord does the saving. And we can praise God in even that. Because we don't have to have the pressure, the worry, the concern of whether or not our actions or inactions are causing or not causing other people to being saved, whether or not we're applying ourselves right to someone's salvation or not. We don't have to carry that burden because the Lord is the one that does the saving. And the church belongs to the Lord. He is the one who sovereignly builds this church. The Lord does the saving. So a lot of this was to those that were had some things that they're just struggling with. A lot of this message was. But I want to encourage all those in this room that are striving in these things and praising God and everything they do and loving and having people over and being generous and doing all these great things. God bless you. And you are taking and enjoying all of the joy and love that comes along with all of those things that we talked about here. Because if you're doing these things and God is working in your life through these things, you are living in joy and peace, in the joy and the peace of God's sovereignty. Because peace in your life is something that we cannot put a price tag on. Peace in your life you cannot put a, a, a mark on it. You cannot sell it for anything. It is the most valuable and awesome thing that God can do in your life. And thank God we do not have the kind of pressure of having someone else's soul in our hands. There is freedom and peace in what God teaches us and shows us and tells us to do in His Scripture. So I pray today, and I'll close today, and I will pray for you again in this, and that we as a church body, I pray that we will grow in Christ, do and devote ourselves to these things, so that we can have that peace and that joy in our lives. And for those of you here, that throughout this entire sermon have no idea what I'm talking about. Because you don't have that Holy Spirit. You don't have Christ living in your life. I pray that you would have the boldness, have the courage to really ask the hard questions about who Christ is. Ask a member of this church. Ask one of the elders, the deacons. Talk to them. Ask those questions so that you can be told about who He is. Educate yourself on those things. So, let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for this opportunity to proclaim Your Word. I thank You so much for all 
the ears in this room that could hear. And Lord, I pray that you would do a mighty work in this church body. I pray that you would get a hold of everybody here, that you would get a hold of our hearts and our minds, and that you would help us to focus solely and 100% on you and your greatness and your awesomeness. Lord, for all those who don't know you as their personal Savior, I pray that you would open their eyes, that you would soften their hearts, that you would show them how great you are. Show them how awesome you are. Show them that you came and died on a cross for us. You sacrificed your, your only son for us. Show them your love. Lord, we love you so much. And we thank you for how great you are. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And as the musicians come on up and we are going to continue to praise God in worship and in song.